0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X Men Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam, and my
1: name is Jeremy,
0: and we're here to discuss X Men Number Two, which was uh, has a cover date of November 1991, on sale December 17th of sorry September 17th of 1991. Cover price of a dollar, thirty two page count. Although I don't know, I think it was only twenty two pages of comics, twenty one pages, twenty pages including the cover uh title of this one is firestorm and uh that's all i got
1: one thing that i miss doing is that in the early days of the podcast <clears throat> excuse me in the early days of the podcast i was reading early collections that they released which were basically uh scans of all of the comics uh, and marvel had published those um But it also included the letter section and it included all of the advertisements. In an issue like this, uh, I think it'd be fascinating to look at what those 12 pages of advertisements that I'm sure had all sorts of radical things like Sonic, Super Nintendo, Clearasil. The 90s was
0: Super Nintendo, is that true?
1: Yeah, early 90s. I forget everything. I definitely did not have a Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo might have been more like ninety two, ninety three. So we might be a little early for that. So it would have been like uh like Mega Man three or four or things like that, maybe. Okay. But uh yeah, I, I uh Clear ads and Chips Ahoy, but I feel like Chips Ahoy ads, those those little puzzles, I think I feel like those are from like the late eighties, probably phased out in the early nineties. You know, we both own copies of this issue. Yeah, I'm going to go to that box right now, <laughs> dig it out of the basement, and thumb through all of those boxes to figure out which X-Men box it's in, to pull it out to see these advertisements. Point is, uh, we're lazy. He <laughs> <laughs> didn't know that by now. <laughs> you missed the ball. So anyways, yeah, this is, a, this is a cover. It features Magneto, and he's strangling the professor. All of the other X-Men are solidified. Uh, Some are missing limbs.
0: Well, really, is anybody besides Psylocke missing a limb? I see Wolverine is missing like a piece of his cowl, but that doesn't seem like it would hurt.
1: I don't know. We can only see bits and pieces of their body. So I'm just assuming that Rogue's missing a foot. Cyclops is missing his torso. I do not really care for this cover. I never did. uh, And I think that's why
0: I still don't. Because as a kid, it wasn't it just wasn't dynamic enough for me. I was
1: like, it's a good Magneto. It's a good professor.
0: Everything it's, else. Yeah, is It's kinda, a, it's a, yeah. it's a fair Jim Lee cover. Um, but after the dynamic posing of the last one, I don't know. It just seems kind of lackluster.
1: Yeah. Well, it went on my wall just like all the other Jim Lee covers did.
0: But this is a, this is a kid's point of view that I'm just carrying through into my forties for some reason.
1: Sure. It's all right. I, probably buy it as a t-shirt, maybe. Eh, Maybe. If he cut out the background and it was just Magneto and the Professor, that could be a decent t-shirt, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, yeah, we we open this thing up. Uh, It's called Firestorm. It's by Chris Claremont and Jim Lee. Scott Williams is the inker. Joe Rosas is the colorist. Tom Orzakowski is the letterer. Bob Harris is the editor. And Tom DeFalco is the fire chief. (laughs)
0: So last issue, there were uh credits for story plot and uh art and so the art was jim lee obviously the plot was by both of them or was it the plot was the basically words were by chris claremont and the story was by chris claremont and jim lee right this issue they're just saying whatever you know the drill this is Chris Claremont's second to last issue. Chris Claremont's like, hey Jim, you still haven't sent over the pages for issue four. <laughs> I'm really waiting to get cracking on those. Yeah.
1: Well, you might want to have a quick conversation with Tom, Tom DeFalco and Bob Harris. What? Oh, I'm no longer working here. Okay, well. <laughs> um anyways. So where we left off uh, in issue number one, Banshee had confronted Moira, and Moira was like, oh my god, I can't believe what I've done. And we start this issue off with uh, Magneto. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to say he's triumphant over the X-Men, but he's definitely posing. Right? It's sort of where we left off, where
0: the accolades came down and did something, and then the X-Men stepped in.
1: yeah join me tons
0: of damage um, I feel like there's more damage this issue than there was last issue but whatever last issue was very focused in and this is kind of a wide shot right. so maybe this is just the wide shot we're seeing for the first time uh, there's rubble they're in Genosha Magneto is standing up for the acolytes I still don't know why but whatever
1: Ah, uh, well the yeah I don't know the acolytes have, have uh, shown him that they need him
0: well, they've shown him that they're kind of a uh, rash and do things when he's asleep. <laughs> well, and he even said so. And he's saying, so this is you, too. They acted in excess of zeal. If so, I and I alone shall determine their appropriate punishment. Yeah. It's like he's a
1: father figure to them now. These uh, acolytes have basically forced Magneto's hand... And Magneto's not doing anything to sort of be like, "No, you guys made this mess. you clean it up. I'm gonna go back to my asteroid." Now he's basically like, "Well, my acolytes who I just met like two days ago, <laughs> started all of this, uh, so I guess I'm gonna we're gonna finish it off now, this could have to do with Moira's reveal, but I don't know. Yeah, okay. That's,
0: that's a fair point.
1: I think anything that Magneto is it does out of character is because of Moira's tampering. And we'll talk about that as we go into the issue. That's something that I didn't uh, actually catch on when I was reading these back when we were kids. I don't now, think I did, I did either. I was probably more focused on the art and cool poses than I was in actually reading the story, because a lot of this is like, I don't remember. I remember the Acolytes, I remember Magneto, uh, I remember the red team, the gold, the blue team, gold team, whatever. But I don't remember anything else that's, that happened in these issues. Well, speaking
0: of cool action poses, you got the whole team in a double page spread. And everybody looks pretty solid except for Cyclops, who's got a kind of slightly large leg. But uh, otherwise looks pretty good.
1: Uh yeah. Uh, I think
0: maybe the perspective is throwing me off. Because Cyclops is in the foreground, well, behind Beast. But then there's a tiny little rogue behind Cyclops. So he's supposed to be closer to us, I guess, but it just looks weird.
1: He looks like he's in the same plane as Gambit, when I think he's supposed to be further in front of Gambit. But all things being equal, we've seen way worse perspective shots. Uh, yeah. This is pretty good. Granted, I, I'll give you that. When you, If you kind of put your hand over everything else, I think Cyclops looks pretty good. But if you take your hand away and put him up against... Uh, I think it's Gambit that kind of screws up the perspective. They're also in the same pose, which is kind of funny.
0: Yeah, I mean, Wolverine is almost in that same pose, too.
1: <laughs> Gambit doesn't really get to do much in this issue. I think he gets, like, one or two lines of dialogue. And he gets, like, one one action that he gets to do.
0: Yeah, you know, he, he got all this cool stuff to do last issue.
1: Jim Lee's like, I created this character, and I don't know what to do with him. <laughs> Actually, I guess, I don't think Jim Lee did create Gambit.
0: Uh, no, he wasn't a part of that. Well, that's a good question. Well, we talked, he ab- wasn't a
1: part of that. The first issue where he appeared. Yeah. We but talked I think about when it. When we
0: were doing that issue, we showed that he did do some sketches of Gambit.
1: Yeah. I think he probably came up with Gambit, but then the first appearance was drawn by somebody else. Yeah. Anyways. I feel like he designed him. Yeah. He's probably thinking about his car. It's like, I miss my car. What happened to the Gambit mobile? <laughs> <laughs> I left it in Cairo, Illinois. I'm really disappointed. <laughs> I love that car. <laughs> So, as
0: will happen in this entire issue, the X-Men are questioning why Magneto is doing what he's doing, and he's saying, I've changed – or I've changed back more appropriately,
1: I guess – There's a lot of back and forth. I'm okay with most of that. I mean, Chris Claremont spent so much time rehabilitating Magneto to get him to issue number, whatever, 199 or 200, where he takes over for the X-Men when the Professor goes into space, that to see sort of this abrupt about-face, especially, and this is addressed here, uh, his um, uh, relations or adventure with Rogue in the Savage Land, this is a a 100% or a 180 um, about-face of all of that. So Chris Claremont, in my opinion, is doing his level best to be like, this is how normal people would probably react to this situation. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to do my best to make it plausible that Magneto's like, nah, you were all wrong about me. Auschwitz, Nazis, etc. I'm bad.
0: He keeps talking about how he he tried. He tried so hard. But in the end, he just... Nothing. Nothing seems to work out for him the way that he wants, so he's going
1: back to his old ways. My question is: um, obviously, X Men or X Men number one back in the sixties featured the X Men squaring off against Magneto for the first time. Mm-hmm. Is the idea to have this be like poetry, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where okay, George? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Where. Uh, this X Men number one, this new team, their very first outing is to face Magneto. Because I almost wonder, I feel like if Chris Claremont had the control, I feel like he would have just invented like a new, a new bad guy. And so, like, this is the new Apocalypse, Mr. Sinister Magneto. Keep Magneto this is on the. Gamento. We- <laughs> exactly. We're going to keep Magneto sort of on the sidelines. His, uh, his, um, you know, his actions are going to sort of be questionable, but he's not going to be just like the bad guy, which is kind of what they're doing here. You uh, know
0: what would have been cool is if Magneto led the X-Men against their mortal enemy of Professor X. Sure. And they'd be like, what's going on? Sure. This is like X-Men number one, but it's in reverse. Sure. Maybe. My expectations are
1: thrown. <laughs> So some helicopters come. They have plastic missiles. The helicopters plastic, but the professor or the professor uh, Magneto able to use debris to uh, get in the way of those missiles.
0: They're on Genosha, and we still haven't really gotten much in the way of what Genosha looks like in terms of politics right now. Like we know that they're not. From the last issue, we know that they're, they they took in Rogue to rehabilitate her, but not. To enslave her, so that's good.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, presumably, they said last issue you helped change
1: the laws of Genosha, but we don't really know what their like status is. It would have been I don't know. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, but it would it would have been neat if if this whole thing's going to take place on Genosha or Genosha's going to play a major role in this this particular arc. It would have been neat to sort of start issue number one out with kind of like what's going on in Genosha, and you can kind of show maybe a little bit of the civil unrest because you can't I mean if you look at America's checkered past and you look at the south like once slavery was abolished like it wasn't like everybody's happy now right right? and even when um, uh, segregation was abolished it also wasn't like everybody was happy now there was that lingering so you would have to imagine that the folks on genosha would be split probably with a bunch of people hating mutants and that comes up a little bit later in the issue and, and uh, uh, yeah i
0: suspect that is true but yeah this is this is this is genosha purely for the callback right so we can go oh neat it was probably jim lee's idea like my biggest arc so far has been on genosha so let's do a callback to genosha
1: which is fine but i think to your point and what i'm agreeing with is to sort of set that up a little bit let's what does their current political system look like what are their policies maybe show a session of them passing the the anti-mutant uh discrimination act and then uh, uh this would be just like one page right you'd have them passing that act some uh supporters in the streets going yay mutants and then some detractors in the streets going boo mutants and then we cut to like everything else that happens uh, and then, I don't know, it just sets up a tone, which... This is more like, oh, now we're on Genosha. Yeah, Boom. I agree. Boom, just blew it up.
0: <laughs> I mean, this is this is the difference between the 90s and the 80s, I guess.
1: Yeah, you're right.
0: <laughs> 90s is just like...
1: Get to the point. Balls to the
0: wall, action!
1: Yeah, get to the point. Let's, let's see some punching, flying, and poses. So we get an idea of what Fabian uh, Cortez's powers are.
0: Yeah, he... He was doing some weird healing last issue, so speculating that his powers were healing-related. I don't but here-
1: think so, I, I, and we'll have to... When we get to that panel, I feel like one of their other mutants is a healer. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Okay. And maybe he was just amplifying their powers, but let's put a pin in that. But yeah, he... he, uh, Silex coming in with a psychic knife, and he's getting ready to take... She's getting ready to take out Fabian Cortez, uh, and he's like, this is my power, and kisses her for some reason, but that amplifies his powers because that's a
0: Jim Lee thing. I feel like
1: it's a comics thing. I mean, it's how many... a comics
0: thing, but I feel like Jim Lee has done it a few times. Yeah, uh,
1: and that that causes her powers to kind of go out of control. So does that mean his
0: thing is touch based? Because I think in the issues that we've covered him in the far, far future, he is his powers are no longer touch based.
1: Just like every character it's a it's an evol- it's an evolving process
0: okay so right now they're touch based sure but he does as you say amplify her powers which we will get the the the, 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 the what happens with that in a few uh minutes i guess mm-hmm. pages but first we have to cut to some sort of government thing um Somebody name checks extinction agenda, which is kind of fun.
1: He's referring to the incident we've codenamed extinction agenda. Valerie Cooper is
0: here. Nick Fury is here. A bunch of government people are here. Nick Fury is armed to the teeth. With he is the... to a ridiculous amount. <laughs> he is like, this is just, this is just ridiculous.
1: And I don't. I wasn't reading anything else, but I'm wondering wherever else Nick Fury showed up. Did he have like, I mean, he's got like a face mask, uh, that kind of looks like Gambit's face mask. And then he's got all these guns and I don't know, uh, like ammo and, uh, big boots and pouches. And like, he is like, he is the nineties right there. Yeah, um, no, this is too much. <laughs> does. And it, and it gets worse. Like as we see Nick Fury in future panels, like it just continues to get more and more ridiculous. Uh, I mean, is the creative um, uh, leverage here so much so that the editors are just like, you guys do whatever you want. We don't care. And I'm guessing yes. My
0: problem with it is I don't have a problem of this being Nick Fury's action outfit. When he goes into action, he probably needs a lot of guns. He's figured (laughs) out. I need the gun here, here. Like, I've been through so many missions. I know where I need stuff. But he's at a government meeting. He does like this, just seems like an unwieldy, annoying outfit to have to wear.
1: Yeah, there's like 85 pounds of gear on him. And anytime we've seen <laughs> like, Nick, I wouldn't want to be in a meeting with Nick Fury. It's like, why is that guy so armed to the teeth? You no, know, why has he got all those guns? Everybody else has like suits and ties and everything. And this guy's just loaded for, I don't know, some sort of a commando mission. But anytime we've seen Nick Fury in other issues in the past, he's just had like his jumpsuit with maybe like an ammo belt. He's never had like. All of this crap that he's got on his body, which would be perfect for this meeting. He doesn't need all these guns. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, the People's Republic of China is like, "Yeah, Magneto's welcome here." Genosha's like, "Oh my god, we're under siege. Everything's being destroyed." In a copy paste panel, I don't know if you noticed that.
0: Oh, is there a copy paste panel?
1: Well, the the lady, it's got the chief magistrate. The chief magistrate that's in the screens. There's two panels of her in the screen. Uh Uh-oh. it looks like a copy paste to me.
0: Yeah, I guess it's supposed to be fine. two screens, right? Oh, side by side, oh, the same sense. thing.
1: Okay. Well, well there's there, there's it, I don't know, whatever. There's dialogue coming out of the left screen and then different dialogue coming out of the right screen, so it kind but of, it's one panel. Yeah. So I guess you're just supposed to follow the uh
0: the lot logically from left to right. Um
1: also, there was a, the nuclear missile that was uh, detonated in— Above Russia. They, they're they talking about that a Russia's little bit. Russia's airspace. So the Russians are like, we need to do something about this. This is an act of war. We need to, to, we need to execute the Magneto Protocols. That's
0: what it all comes down to. We need to execute the Magneto Protocol, which we still don't know what that is.
1: Right. Um, they talked about it a little bit in the last issue, but yeah. um, we're getting more and more of an idea of what the Magneto Protocols are. Meanwhile, back in Genosha, Psylocke's running away. Her powers are out of control. All she can hear is uh, the mutant hate. So again, setting this up sort of earlier in issue one would have made this make a little bit more sense.
0: It's weird that all she hears is the hate. I mean, people aren't just
1: hating things. I would expect, yeah, on the on the uh, you would you would have supporters and you would have um, um, non-supporters, and you should be able to hear both of them. I
0: mean, you should be able to hear the guy down the street ordering a pizza.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like, why is this pizza taking so long? <laughs> well, Beast jumps into – well, because uh, all these guys with their sticks, I feel like they they start beating uh, Psylocke with those Yeah, there sticks. are
0: protesters of some sort around all of damage, people coming out to see what all the damage is, and they they see uh, – it feels like a Shadow King sort of thing where all right. of the people in the neighborhood are amped up with hatred and I mean, maybe that's just a take on what's going on in the middle of of violence. But you know, based on nine eleven, I don't think people react to violence with more violence. I think they all just try to get out of there. So this is kind of weird.
1: You would think that all of these people would be trying to evacuate and and leave the situation. They might still have these negative thoughts, but it yeah. wouldn't be like, oh my god, everything's blowing up. Magneto's right there. Let me go beat up this woman. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it just seems kind of weird that they start – that they're just so angry and that they just start beating the crap out of Psylocke.
1: Beast jumps in to knock them all out of the way. One guy's like, oh, my God, it's a beast. And Beast says, no, it's the beast. Yeah. Stand in my way and you'll find out why. I like Beast dialogue
0: in this. It's nice to see Chris Claremont writing Beast again for (laughs) what will probably be next to the last
1: time. Exactly.
0: What did you do to her, Acolyte? Why, what comes naturally, X-Man – I enhance Psylocke's telepathic power to its ultimate of extent. She probably is in direct c- contact with everyone, every sentient mind on the island.
1: Which lends credence to he she should be hearing people ordering pizzas. Arguments. Yeah. Gambit
0: slugs Fabian Cortez. And with his bow staff. He kind of sneaks up on him. That's that's one of Gambit's things.
1: Hits him with the quarter staff. He goes down. Magneto's like, stop all of this. Uh, somewhere along the line, and I don't think we ever saw it, but he was able to bind up Wolverine and Cyclops. Yeah, we never see that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, metal.
1: It just happens. <laughs> I don't know.
0: He was talking to everybody. Everybody split up.
1: The pacing of this isn't entirely clear. The pacing... This is interesting. I felt this in issue number one. Like, this issue moves. That issue moved. But when you start breaking everything down... Uh, it just—it's kind of jerky, like fight, 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 talk, 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 fight, fight, fight. Exposition, there's, exposition. There's a lot of showcasing
0: of characters, which yeah. doesn't, like, doesn't make sense with the way that they set things up. Like they started this issue with everybody together.
1: I would have liked to have yes, I would have liked to have seen. Right before this, the second fight or third fight or whatever fight we're on break out Magneto just immediately in a panel uh, binds up Cyclops and Wolverine. That could have been like the opening cell though and then the rest of the X-Men like do the things that they just did. But here it's everybody did what they did and then we return our focus back to Magneto and he has somehow off panel in sort of a shadow we see and if you're just kind of breezing through these panels you might even miss it. um, Cyclops and Wolverine bound up. Which was like, okay, well, continuity, continuity, I don't know if that's a word. Um, I don't think it is. It doesn't flow right. It is now. You just, you just
0: coined an English word.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm going to put that in Wikipedia right after this episode. First coined on Danger <laughs> Last time Room.
0: Last we saw Magneto, he was lifting several X-Men in the air because he just blew up. a He, he threw a, a bunch of metal girders through a Genosha helicopter. Then he rises into the air, lifting some of the X-Men into the air. So yeah, and we'll... oh, okay. So he—I forgot about this. He does. He gets them out of the way, and he's like, "I got stuff to deal with." So I'm, I'm removing the floor, so they all fall through the floor. Right. So they're going down to the basement levels, and that's where Rogue goes after Magneto, and he just kind of swats her aside with some magnet powers. I don't know how that works, but whatever.
1: <laughs> Magnetic fields.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't care for that. Never have. Um I mean that would just make him like he's already invincible. Now he's like just super invincible if he can swap people around with magnetic fields. Right. Anyway, uh that's when Fabian I guess Fabian also was in the basement. So everybody split up. So sometime in between Magneto uh knocking the X Men into the basement, he also tied up wolverine and cyclops with metal right it would have been nice to see that i agree
1: meanwhile uh back at the mansion um banshee forge and the professor are chilling out kind of watching the events on the video screen i feel like they're trying to set up a
0: thing which is like a new hierarchy of mutant hatred like right because of magneto doing all of this stuff people are going to fear fear and hate mutants again
1: a return to form, Is there you know. any
0: payoff to this in the future issues of X-Men? I don't feel like there
1: is. I don't remember. Um, but but the professor asks, where is uh, Moira? And Banshee's like, oh, she ran off when Forge sounded the alarm. But the last time we saw her, Forge had gone down to talk to Moira, and Moira's like, oh my god, I don't know what I've done. And then that's where the issue ends. Well, that was, that was earlier. <laughs> this is later. <laughs> I guess, but wouldn't Banshee's focus now be on like, Oh, my God. I mean, especially because this dialogue here is Moira ran off. Like, this is his love. Wouldn't he be like, Moira, what's wrong? Like, we got a mission or... All of that happened to F-Panel. Just at the
0: same time that Magneto was wrapping up uh, Wolverine and Cyclops in metal, Yeah, uh, Banshee was comforting Moira. He may or may not have told her whatever the, what the secret was, um, but whatever it was, they resolved it or like... Forge rang an alarm and they had to run up together to the thing, and then Mora snuck away. None of this says stuff that we see.
1: Yeah. This is comic book. That's classic
0: uh, ending the issue with a cliffhanger and then not resolving it.
1: I don't know that that it's that classic. I mean, sometimes you see that sometimes you cut away to like another story and then you cut back to whatever that cliffhanger was to resolve it. But this is like, we cut away from it. We cut back and something has happened, uh, to, to separate the people that were involved in that cliffhanger. And it, it doesn't make any sense. This is comic books. We need to show things, not just tell people things.
0: I don't mind this. This is like,
1: this is like Darth Vader. How did he get to the
0: ship? I don't care
1: about that, Adam.
0: George Lucas, many years later, would show him getting to the ship.
1: I think that's different. It's like, it's the same
0: thing. How did it's not Moira get thing. to this room and then sneak away?
1: I don't care she about how, how Moira gets to various locations. The interpersonal relations of Banshee saying "where hi and Moira well, being like, like I oh, I, I got a
0: she either She either told him. Or she didn't. Those yeah. are the two options. I don't care
1: about that. I don't care about what she may or may not have told him. He comforted her.
0: Yeah. And they resolved it. Yeah. And then everything was okay between the two of them.
1: Yeah. See, see, Adam, there's a lot more happening there than Vader walking to a shuttle to get to the Death Star. <laughs> I feel like you can shortcut a few of the things that you just said but I don't feel like you can shortcut all of those things eh, you can I mean I they know. did I, so. I, I'm fine with it <laughs> I think it's it's well obviously so in my opinion it's it's sort of misleading for the fact of like keeping this mystery going
0: I think it's whatever happened was unresolved I, and I, I
1: think that's where we're supposed to be so, so really we can leave about... the conclusions that
0: Moira did not tell Banshee but moira also doesn't want to talk about it
1: yeah well and that all of that's fine it's just if if my love uh was very upset crying i can't believe what i've done feeling very guilty about something an alarm rings and she runs away like that would be what i'd be focusing on i wouldn't and i guess you just said it like they they did like an hour long like anyways it the flow is just
0: not right. I don't like they it. They chatted about it. Yes, it would have been nice to see it. It would have been nice if the cliffhanger actually had some sort of payoff, but it doesn't.
1: I just, my thing is Banshee shouldn't be in this this sequence. Banshee should be with Moira right now. Uh, the whole Banshee thing is, didn't he call her Moira
0: McTaggart last issue? It's like, why would you call her Moira McTaggart or Dr. McTaggart or something? I don't Dr. Know. McTaggart, what are you doing?
1: Yeah. Well, anyways, um, the professor's like, well, I'm going to go after Moira. Banshee's like, I'll come with you, even though it's just with her, I guess. Uh, and he's like, no. I Forge doesn't to- want
0: Professor X to leave the security room. They feel like, uh, Magneto is going to come to them next. I don't know why they dragged to that conclusion, but I guess it's logical in this world. Um, the alert is out to the storm, uh, the blue team, or is this the blue team? I can't remember. Um i don't i don't know where the blue team is yeah i guess i thought they were supposed to stay behind i don't they're in a place
1: where they know where they are <laughs> <laughs> i don't know this is a different room they're in the like, like the war room and then the other x men team they're in the danger room as we'll find out at the end of the issue but i don't know i guess i'm probably hyper focusing on it i understand that they need these various characters in these various locations for everything that's going to happen next but maybe just don't have Banshee go meet Moira last issue and just have Moira sitting in the room by herself going like, Oh my God, I can't believe what I've done. That's just as effective and sort of removes this. Like, why is Banshee there here? But anyways, it, it was never
0: a, it it seemed like a shoehorned uh, cliffhanger to begin with.
1: Well, yeah, uh, it was very soap opera. Both of the cliffhangers in issue one and this issue are very much like a shoehorn. Like, Oh my God with very little payoff. So uh, we cut back to the
0: action and rogue is again, attempting to communicate with Magneto cause they had a connection the last time they saw each other. This enables Psylocke to sneak up on Magne- uh, Magneto and she uses her psychic knife on him. But now it is her it's there. The strength of the psychic knife is augmented to the point where she can actually affect him. And she realizes as she does this, her normal psychic knife probably wouldn't have affected him at all because he's got force, I guess. Um that's that's
1: interesting. I don't know. It's uh it's like a it's a good action sequence, but and, and then I feel like the only reason any of this exists is to to draw this action sequence because it has no payoff <laughs> well, that, that, that's the truth this is this entire issue. Yeah, Magneto crumples to the ground. Some guy comes out of nowhere, freezes everybody in, like, a metal shell, and then Magneto takes all of the X-Men to Asteroid M. Ah, the acolyte called Chrome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Welcome. We're just going to introduce you now. Again, these are things that just should be established earlier. Like, last issue, Chrome should have turned somebody into Chrome. Oh, we know what his powers are. If you have the power to turn anybody to Chrome, you should have done that from the beginning. Yeah, that's your first move. That's always your first move, unless there's some <laughs> limitation. But again, this is just kind of like all this stuff happens, and then, and then, well, okay, Magneto's down, the psychic knife, uh, Chrome shows up. Who's Chrome? Well, Chrome's this guy that turns people into Chrome. Okay, <laughs> I guess we're gonna go are with they that.
0: Live ass Magneto, frozen in a transitory statue state, says Chrome.
1: So, are they actually? solid chrome or are they just encased in chrome? I don't know. I don't like this
0: power. It's confusing too because later Magneto will encase Moira in a similar sort of metallic chrome. Oh, right. Yes. But that's a whole different thing. So we have two sort of chrome-based
1: things happening. This would kill them. uh, But yeah, as chrome says, nope, they're frozen in a transitory state, whatever that I'm
0: assuming that he just calls himself chrome because the... they they're actually just frozen but they also turn a chrome color sure and so he was like oh my power causes people to turn a chrome-like color i'm gonna call myself chrome gotcha
1: no that's that that's fine but i mean if they're truly metal then of course magneto flying every well it doesn't really matter magneto's got everybody encased in a magnetic bubble and he's flying into space with all these people yeah. So it, none of this matters. <laughs> none of these. So like, yeah, the he heads to a, asteroid M, matter.
0: taking everybody in tow, just leaving Genosha behind. We're done with that story beat. <laughs> yep. And we cut to, uh,
1: well, asteroid who, M. Who
0: is this in the background? Uh, Fabian or Fabian Cortez is talking to uh, Magneto, who says, w- "Way back when I was healing you, um, I discovered that." Yeah, you're right. There, you. There's an anomaly in you. I, I don't know what it is. And Magneto's like, only one person alive could have affected me this way.
1: Right. Well, his logic is reasonable.
0: It is a piece of genetic engineering and artificial alteration in my DNA codes. And I know of only one way it could have occurred. It,
1: this is sound. All right. I'll I feel it. like it's sound. So who is this lady in the background? Oh, she's super important to the story. <laughs> I don't know. She's just another acolyte? She's just an acolyte working a computer. We'll find out what her powers are later, maybe. Is
0: she the one that was killed, not killed last issue? I don't
1: remember. Okay. Uh, The Soviets are launching a plasma gun or something like that into space because they intend to use it to blow Magneto out of the sky,
0: I think. Yeah, it's it's a... Uh, launching that plasma long not so long ago, Dimitri launching that plasma cannon would have provoked an
1: immediate thermonuclear, immediate response, thermonuclear from response, from the
0: response from the Americans, but now I mean, Washington cheers it on. So, this is proto magneto protocol, I guess.
1: I don't think so. Uh, I think this is just hyperbole for the sake of hyperbole, because it's like, now Washington cheers us. I wonder, old friends, have our actions saved our poor world or sealed its doom? I think it's sort of like artificially amping amping up the drama. You don't
0: think the plasma cannon is part of the Magneto Protocol?
1: I don't know. I feel like the Magneto Protocol is something in his DNA where they can control him. Hmm. I, I don't remember, though. Okay. I feel like the plasma cannon, I might be wrong because I don't remember how issue three goes. I feel like the plasma cannon is just like, hey, we'll shoot this weapon at them. Uh, Maybe the plasma cannon is the
0: distraction portion of the Magneto protocol.
1: I'm going to bet. If you have DNA that
0: controls Magneto, you use it immediately.
1: Right. I'm going to guess that the plasma cannon and the Magneto protocols are unrelated because a good – storyteller would have connected those two things and so far we're seeing a lot of story things fall apart okay (laughs) i might be wrong about that i don't remember meanwhile though uh on a little lake house outside of the mansion moira is uh there she's very sad the professor shows up. She's being
0: interrogated by the professor
1: yeah and then magneto shows up and he's like what did you do to me well i we get some interesting dialogue like so
0: so having read the the current X Men. Yeah, uh, Yeah, I was thinking about this. Yeah, will probably happen at some point about Moira. Um, We get some interesting dialogue, and it's always fun to kind of play this dialogue against future dialogue. Uh, Professor says, in all the years we've known each other, Moira, I've never, I've never reached into your mind. I gave you my word, I never
1: would. So the way I, I agree, and I thought about the exact same thing because we'll find out later that. Professor has to read Moira's mind, and we're talking. And talk- she she asks him to so, exactly. I mean, I'm thinking
0: that's like the
1: the fine line
0: there is that you know unless you asked me to <laughs>
1: right right. Uh, and I wonder when they wrote that current X Men run where they do that if they even thought about this or if this was just a happenstance sort of a There's lucky thing.
0: More coincidences coming up. I feel like I I mean I feel like it is a coincidence, but. There is a few things in this issue which is kind of sets up where we are currently.
1: Well, what's his name? Uh who who wrote all of that X-Men stuff? Uh, Jonathan Hickman. Yeah, Jonathan Hickman, he's around our age, so it stands to reason that this would have been his prime X-Men run that he'd have been reading. I'm assuming he was an X-Men fan when he was a kid.
0: But it is it is well established here basically the the deal is that Moira keeps secrets. Right. Uh, she did it with Proteus. She's doing it with this Magneto thing. And, you know, maybe down the line, there's also that other huge secret that both the professor and Moira are keeping now because Magneto doesn't know yet, I believe. That'll be pointed out when he says something.
1: Yeah. For more information on that, you can check out our Patreon for that run <laughs> yeah. of
0: Dawn of X. I'm trying not to spoil it, but I feel like, I don't know, those issues have been out for two years.
1: Yeah. So Magneto lifts the uh, log cabin. The boathouse. The
0: boathouse. is in the boathouse. Charles goes to the boathouse.
1: And lifts yeah. it into space.
0: It's a cool panel. Magneto shows up and takes him in one of those gigantic magnetic bubbles and launches him off into space. And then we see Forge and Banshee. I told the man. I warned him. Right. Yeah, He's belly and we underestimated Magneto and he burned us. Question now is what do we do next? We better call the rest of the X-Men.
1: I hate to tell you. So, the boathouse has been launched into space. Magneto has got everything under control. He's basically set up the stakes of, like, hey, Professor, don't use your powers. Otherwise, I'll be out of control and you'll die. Moira, tell me what I need to know. You did something to me. And you probably did it to me when I was reverted to my baby form, which I'm going to give him some credit. I think that it was bold to include that incredibly goofy storyline as a major plot point for this uh, arc. Anytime they call back, the
0: time that Magneto got turned into a baby is awesome.
1: Yes, and I don't think I, did, I didn't remember that this was kind of the crux of this arc as I was reading this. I was like, "Oh, geez, wow." Well, as I was reading
0: this as a kid, I don't think I ever knew that Magneto had turned into a baby. You might have, because uh, you... no,
1: I didn't. I had no idea. Okay, I, I, I don't know. I can't claim that I did one way or the other. But none of this stuff that we're seeing—I mean, obviously, we saw it as we had read it—but I probably just breezed over all of this and it seemed kind of goofy 70s that i probably was just like i don't know that's probably in those old issues that i never read (laughs) which was true but anyways uh we get sort of a, a rehashing of that in three panels he was turned into a baby in that defender's issue the professor gave magneto to moira to raise and then a shiar agent came and restored him back to health
0: I like that as Magneto is telling him this in the silhouette, he's pouring himself a shot of whiskey. Yes.
1: Just shows he's got a lot of control here. (laughs) And uh, Magneto's like, the question which has occurred to me is, what happened in the months that I was under your care, Moira? Moira doesn't want to tell Magneto, so Magneto was basically threatening to kill the professor. And Moira's like, fine, I'll tell you.
0: I never doubted it for an instant.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you everything, uh, and I guess she does. But we flip our attention back to asteroid M, where all of the X Men are tied up against the I don't know trophy wall,
0: <laughs> and presumably the professor is not here because oh yeah, uh, we she bumps into him at the end of the issue, and I was, and she tells him that she told Magneto everything, but the professor is still in the dark, so he clearly is not here.
1: We don't know where he is. There's no... I had, I had to flip back yeah. to be
0: like, wait, wasn't the professor there the whole time? No. I like that Cyclops has this gigantic helmet <sighs> over his whole head.
1: So he, I guess he's gathered everybody here, except for the professor for some reason, to say, all right, Moira, tell me what happened in front of all of these people. Yeah. <laughs> and so the gist here is that Moira was like, well... I wanted to figure out a way to get the sort of instability out of you because if I could figure out that process on you, I would be able to apply it to my son Proteus, uh, therefore <laughs> you are my guinea pig, but she was also like you are you're a child and sort of at a at the right age uh for this and this is sort of neat, like you could look a little bit further below and say maybe. And Magneto even says, every decision I've made since my rebirth is suspect, thanks to you. You could actually say that maybe his turning good uh, and leading the new mutants was a result of Moira's tampering. Uh, and you don't have to either. It, it's sort of left open enough that you can draw your own conclusions, so which this, I think it's neat. this is a
0: pretty huge retcon.
1: Basically, like, saying that
0: Magneto's powers, because of the, the, the huge... Power of his powers, I guess. Right, uh, it was corrupting it. Ca- causes him to causes there to be an electrochemical balance imbalance uh, in his brain that makes him evil.
1: <laughs> I guess. Right. He even says something like, "With great power comes certain madness." Question mark. And, and
0: that is her speculation. And she did. She defends it by saying, "Explain how then how the man Charles knew and respected in Israel could turn into the master of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants." To sort of explain that, and so the so so besides the implication that you're talking about, where we have, did the professor make himself, or did the did Magneto become good because of Moira's intervention? We also have this sort of thing, was was he a crazy classic Marvel villain because of this chemical imbalance in his brain? Right. I mean, it's interesting. It's, and it, it'll get ignored
1: probably. Oh, 100%. I, I also, again, feel like this is Chris Claremont doing his level best to sort of like, look, I did all this work, tried to rehabilitate him, tried to make him a good guy and tried to introduce new villains. And now we're going right back to square one. So how do I write something in such a way that it's plausible and it's it's an interesting twist it's unnecessary but i mean it kind
0: of it kind of is like an explanation like he's trying to say this is why i wrote magneto this way whereas before i came along the book he was written this way right so they they kind of it's it's unnecessary but it's interesting
1: yeah if they're going to do this I, i i think that this is a good way to do it Decent way to do it. Um, anyways, uh, the Magneto wants to know what else she did, so he grabs some metal from somewhere and covers her body, her face, I guess so much so that she can't breathe, and then uh, reveals her face and says, hey, don't do anything. The metal that I put around you, I can feel everything. I can sense everything you're going to do, so you're completely at my mercy. And I got
0: to admit, I thought Chrome was doing
1: this. I did, too, because it it only makes sense. I thought Chrome had put the Chrome on her, and then Magneto was controlling the Chrome. But no, Magneto is doing all of this, which... Yeah.
0: I thought initially that it was Chrome, and then when he peels back the metal off of her face, I was like, oh, I guess it's not Chrome.
1: Yeah, I don't know. kind of makes me wonder if the original intent of those earlier panels that Chrome did was supposed to be Magneto doing it. They changed it somewhere. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, Then we get a prologue, which is. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Magneto
0: commands uh, Moira to build in a similar inhibitor chip into all of the X Men that will force them to believe in and and worship sort of Magneto. And she says, yes, I'll do it because she's essentially being tortured.
1: Yeah. We got a prologue, which is basically that, who's that dude that built Psylocke?
0: Tatsuyo Matsuo Metsu, Tsuruba, the guy who who is leading the hand right now who changed Psylocke into a ninja.
1: He's digging up Omega Red.
0: I mean, he's digging
1: up a mystery person. He's digging up Omega Red from the Russians and then he kills all the Russians. And the reason that he's doing this and the reason that he can't do this is because the EMP that happened last issue caused all the blackouts and uh, communications, downtime. So right now the Russians can't monitor this highly secured uh, uh, installation. So this distraction is allowing him to basically resurrect or bring back Omega Red.
0: Yes, so I, the I guess the... When I first read this, of course, not knowing who Omega Red was, I was probably just completely forgot about this panel forever.
1: Same. (laughs) It would have also sort of made sense to maybe not just bury this in the middle of issue two of a three part series, maybe put it at the end of the three parter. I'm not sure, but
0: yeah, they, yeah, I mean, they're trying to, you know, do their little breadcrumbs. Um,
1: it's out of place though. And normally, it, it
0: is out of place. I guess if you go, if you're, if you're a reader who goes back and rereads stuff, then you're like, Oh wow. There was this kernel of
1: yeah, completely and, forgettable information. And you can do that. But Chris Claremont and, um, uh, uh Sylvester and Green and, and the rest of them they did it a little bit better where they would do their story and at the oh, end it was better. you'd get a page and a half of like the prologue which was something completely unrelated to the story but was that breadcrumb and this is, I don't know, just kind of slapped into the middle of the story which makes it it's forgettable because you're like, ah, what's so happening funny. here? Anyways, but, yeah,
0: I don't know if we'll touch more upon Omega Red, I don't remember but Apparently he's some sort of secret Russian project that has been buried for some reason. And then we get a weird uh, later on asteroid M, which looks like the inker or the, uh, the letter <laughs> let his kid do one little caption.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Why does it look so weird? I don't know. It's, it's like angry later, <laughs> later on asteroid, asteroid M. M. So the reason that the professor was separated, again, we don't, I'm I'm just discerning this now. Is so that Moira get could a reveal right. Moira could build the thing that controls the X-Men, the X-Men show up and the professor's like, Oh, alright, have you made a plan or have you already taken care of Magneto? Were we free? And Cyclops is like, No, we're joining Magneto. We believe in his cause. I feel like this would be
0: not necessarily later, but like a few days later. Right. Magneto is the right man for this era, sir, and we mean to stand by him
1: confusingly, as we turn the page, we then see the gold team or the blue team, the other, the Jean Grey Colossus team. They're all knocked down. Somebody says so much for that idea. At which point I was wondering, we, we find out that this is a simulation and Jean and Storm have going been going through all of the um, uh, options uh, to figure out, is there a way that this team can defeat the old team? Because they've deduced that the current X-Men that are on Asteroid M have been turned against... Uh, them and are supporting Magneto. So then that led me to wonder like, was that last page part of the simulation? Is that actually what happened? Uh, and I think what I concluded was that page where Cyclops says, hey, we're going to join Magneto happened. The next page is all um, Danger Room simulations, but it's not clear.
0: Yes, agreed. Because <laughs> they're trying to make it uh shock things, so they can't say, they can't throw in a caption to say, meanwhile, back on Earth.
1: I don't know why you wouldn't though but anyways yeah um, Forge uh, Forge barges in and then we get uh, another um, Nick Fury completely armored up giant boots knee pads uh, thigh pouches and he's holding a gun up for some reason and he's basically just telling everybody like hey uh, the Russians have gone to DEFCON 1 so we're uh, at war with Magneto we're going to need your help And the rest of the X-Men here are like, man, every simulation shows us losing. Can we do this? When Ford shows up, he's like, we lost another one. What are we, the Mets? Yeah. Uh, So let's see. And then we talk about the plasma cannon. Um, It's an energy cannon firing beams of ultra intensity, nuclear plasma. It's never been field tested. It's, so powerful, they didn't dare inside the atmosphere. It's the kind of weapon a body used to punch through planets, which is pretty much what they want to do to Magneto's orbiting rock and everyone on board. So again, I don't know if this has anything to do with the Magneto protocols, but we'll find out, I guess.
0: I hope that it is very clear in the next issue what the Magneto protocol is.
1: I feel like everything's leading up to like some genetic... But, yeah, as you mentioned, like, if you've got the ability to control Magneto at a molecular level, you'd have done it already.
0: Unless you need to have a plasma cannon in orbit in order to do it.
1: (laughs) That seems like a very elaborate.
0: in In order to control Magneto with genetics, you have to be, like, a certain distance from him.
1: So, the other possibility is that Nick Fury showed up right after the professor gave baby Magneto to Moira and said, we want to talk about the Magneto protocols. So, what we need you to do is alter the DNA inside of Magneto. And at some point, when we invent a plasma cannon that can punch through planets, we'll use that to shoot Magneto, which will allow you to be able to use your molecular DNA control. And she said, yes, that sounds like a great plan. (laughs) I don't know. We'll find out.
0: When Magneto is torturing Moira, he says, "You are only human," which I thought was interesting.
1: Ah, because as we'll learn,
0: he should know better. Well, I don't know. Maybe he shouldn't. I don't remember. I think he doesn't. He doesn't find out until later, right?
1: Maybe Professor Yeah, Yeah, maybe you're right. That'd be the smart way to write the Dawn of X story. So that's probably how it was written. Yeah. So there you go. That was uh, was X-Men number two. Nick's Fury makes sense
0: when he's armed to the teeth here because he's going into combat.
1: Yeah, holding that giant gun as he's doing sort of a debrief. (laughs) Okay, that doesn't make any sense. A little little silly. Right. That should either be holstered or off to the side. But uh, I get it. Like if he's preparing to go lead some sort of an attack, yes, he should be decked out in all of this stuff. But anyways.
0: Maybe he feels like holding a gun makes him look more authoritative. I'm handing out the news, and this will make sure they listen.
1: So I'm going to say that X-Men number two uh, is uh, a bit sloppy. Um, Pacing's a little weird, but it's not a total mess. There's some enjoyable elements to it. It's not a train wreck. Nope, it's not. It moves. It's got some some decent callbacks.
0: So the, the, the plasma cannon actually fires at the end. Yeah. I'm just realizing that now. Yeah. Okay. But we don't see. So next issue will probably be like, start out with uh, the asteroid M in ruins or something like that. I don't remember. And we'll be confused.
1: We'll find out.
0: All right.